This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Jared Halpern. Like political cycles in the past, presidential candidates shook hands, flipped pork chops, and ate a lot of fair food, hoping to win over voters in the first in the nation caucus state. A few days ago, we spoke with Iowa's governor, Kim Reynolds, about the fair and about her meetings with most of the GOP primary candidates. She told us despite former President Trump's commanding lead in her state, this race isn't over. The rising star in the Republican Party also discussed some of the policy she is signing in the law, including a strict abortion ban in a school choice bill. We made edits for time and thought you might like to hear our entire conversation with Governor Kim Reynolds. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now, here is Kim Reynolds on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Let's talk a little bit about uh, all the okay. candidates that have been at the uh, the state fair over the last couple of days. Um, as we look at Iowa and its caucus right now, is this still yes. an open competition? Or, I mean, can anybody catch former oh, for President sure. Trump? He's oh, like 39 absolutely. points up. It is. No, don't believe the polls. Listen, it is absolutely wide open. It is still early. Uh, I think we'll see what happens with the first debate, and then we'll continue to – people are just now starting to really pay attention. So uh, I've been on the ground for eight days now and uh, talking to a lot of Iowans. I've done a lot of events. Uh, if they ask me to do an event, and I, any of the candidates, and I've got you know my schedules open, I do it. And I have been just so happy – uh, with all of them, with the turnout at all of the different events, the same people going to a lot of events. We've had a really good turnout with the uh, the Fairside Chat. So people are listening. They're asking really good questions. They're listening to responses. And so um, I think, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's far, far, far from over. What's the, the key to winning a state like Iowa? It's a big state, 99 well, counties. 99 counties. It's, it's not really that big, though. That's one of the advantages of Iowa, and that's why we do the First in the Nation caucus so well. It's 99 counties, so it's a relatively small state. Uh, it, it doesn't cost a lot to campaign in Iowa, so it's not just about who has the most money. It is actually just getting out and getting in front of Iowans. And like I said, you know, the state there is a great place to be because we will have over a million people. We're going to set another record. We're about 25,000 up from where we were a year ago. Iowans are familiar with candidates being on the fairground, so they will actually walk right up to them, uh, ask them a question, introduce themselves. Uh, you know, just the interaction is incredible. I have had so many people come up and just thank me for doing the chats because they've gone to all of them. They appreciated the opportunity to, to hear the responses, to get to maybe get close and just ask their own personal questions. So that has gone really well but but mainly it's just getting out and talking to Iowans. the other advantage is um we have a lot of people from out of state that are here that never have the opportunity to interact with candidates like they've been able to do here at the fair and so uh they've really appreciated that i had one gentleman come up uh 
I forget what day it was, we had several uh, on the grounds and just said I talked to every single one of them. He was from Arizona. And he said, I talked for 15 to 20 minutes with each one. I have never had an opportunity to do that. It was incredible. Thank you for bringing them to the fair. So they all were, you know, I assume coming. And that was one of the reasons we kind of wanted to, you know, kind of be in charge of it. So then I could, first of all, kind of do the same thing with all of them. And again, give Iowans and those attending the fair the opportunity to interact with uh, the the candidates that are running to be the next president of the United States. Well, you've obviously spent a lot let, of time. Let me tell you. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going no, to, to, to follow is, up on that. You you have met with a lot of these candidates, um, and you talk to yeah. Iowans as they're interacting with the candidates. Are you able? I know that these fairside chats have been about sort of learning the personal stories of these candidates, trying to mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. understand that. But it's about policy as well. And and are you starting to see right. some policy differences emerge between these Republican candidates? Well, you know, I think every one of them believes and understands how important it is to be close the border. I think every single one of them needs to understand that we need to get spending in check. Uh, honestly, I think Iowa is a state that's a great, it's a great example. I think we're with the policies that we put in place are actually showing the alternative to the Biden administration. So it's to get spending in check, to reduce the size of uh, government, to get it better aligned, to close the border because of the issues that we're dealing with with the drugs and the fentanyl and every state is a border state we have national guard troops down there right now and going down monday to visit the troops all of us are dealing with that just the the human trafficking and the tragedy that we see from that so china uh you know they they understand that we're peace is is driven through strength uh, they talk a lot about some of the things that they're going to do with that. So uh, variations to maybe how they would go about it. But I think they all pretty much line up on the issues that need to be addressed uh, on, on day one. And certainly one of them is just the weakness on the world stage that we see from this president when we do see him. Uh, you know, it is it is uh, this discerning uh, that he, he can't hardly put a sentence together, let alone address uh, what we see from China, Russia, and everything, that Iran, and everything that's going on there. So we need somebody. That's the other thing I started to tell you. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But, you know, they're looking for somebody that has a vision and a resolve to really step in on day one and start to turn uh, things around and get it back and get this country back on track. And most importantly, even when they talk about, you know, somebody that will respect the people, respect this country, respect their freedom, but that ultimately can win that's why I think they're really taking their time before they lock in on a candidate because they know uh, that this country is uh, in, it's heading in the wrong direction. It's heading in a, in a rapid pace, and we need to uh, we need to, to get it turned around as quickly as we can. You mentioned the world stage. Russia, certainly one of those countries that you said the United States needs to pay attention to. The war in Ukraine okay. uh, has emerged as mm-hmm. maybe the, the top foreign policy issue uh, for this administration and uh, potentially a next administration. What should be U.S. policy mm-hmm. concerning that war? Should these, I mean, the, the president is asking Congress for an additional supplemental spending, spending yeah. bill with, with uh, Ukrainian aid. Does that military assistance from the U.S. need to continue? Well, you know, I'm, not, I'm a governor of the state of Iowa, and we've got multiple candidates that are running for president to address that very situation. So I think that's a question that you need to be asked the candidates that are running to be the next president of the United States. I think it's important that we maintain peace over there. I think it's important that all of the countries do their fair share. We want to make sure that that's happening. But really, that's a question for the presidential candidates, not 
for someone to governor of the state of Iowa. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Let's talk then about some of the other uh, domestic issues. You, for instance, just yes. this year signed uh, the heartbeat bill in, in Iowa, um, yes. one of the more restrictive yes. abortion bills in the country. Um, is that in, in step with where you think the, the country is, with where Iowans are, as we've seen some of these um, abortion restrictions be voted down or, or eliminated in, in other states mm-hmm. a, around the country? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, this is what, you know, I ran in 2018. I ran as a pro-life governor. I had just signed the heartbeat bill. Uh, in 2018, uh, I was elected in a really tough year for Republicans. Uh, we lost two congressional seats. We lost seats in our the Iowa uh, State House. And uh, I was able, I ran against a self-financer that could fund uh, the race that was a pro-abortion. Uh, I was able to win that race by about two percentage points. That was after signing a fetal heartbeat bill. Um, I have made it very clear that, you know, I believe you know, life is um, absolutely important without the fundamental right to life. Nothing else is important. I uh, ran again in 20 of uh, this last election in 2022 and, and uh, won by almost 19 points. And so, yes, uh, we have a, we, I won. We flipped two statewide. We have a supermajority in the Senate. We have a near supermajority in the House. And uh, majority of those are pro-life candidates. So we are... But what we here's the other side of the story. If you look to Minnesota, they just passed a bill that says that you can abort a baby up to and after birth. And I do not believe that that's where I, we passed the fetal heartbeat bill with exceptions too. I want to make that clear. Uh, I don't believe that that's where Americans are at. That they believe that you should kill a baby up to and after the moment of birth. They just passed legislation. We have multiple Democratic-led states that are doing that. That's ultimately where they want to go. And I do not believe that that is where the American people are at. And we're certainly an outlier when you look at other countries across the world. It's an issue, though, that you do want to hear where these Republican candidates stand and and where Iowans want to hear where these candidates stand on the issue, because that's another issue where, listen, there certainly are some nuances, right, in how each candidate might approach a a federal ban or federal restrictions on abortion. Right. And so I think they're asking them. That's why we say come here, come here often. The candidates or excuse me, Iowans will ask the uh, questions that are important to them. It gives us an opportunity to talk about, you know, agriculture, which is very important to this state. It gives us uh, an opportunity to talk about life. So those are the kind of questions that Iowans are asking the candidates and then they'll make their decisions based on their responses. You're not planning on endorsing before the caucuses, are you? Well, I see. Yeah, I'm staying neutral right now. I, I'm, I've said I'll never say I won't say never. You know, we'll wait and see. But um, I'm like other Iowans. I my my role right now is to welcome welcome them to the state, and to make sure that uh, you know to try to help build a crowd to help 
you know, if they call and ask about events that I think that they should be at, then we're willing to help in that respect as well. So that's really the role that I'm playing right now. At some point, that might change. Um, but, but right now, I'm focused on making sure that they all feel welcome here, encouraging them to go to all 99 counties, to get out there in the communities, to, uh, you know, maybe gas up, stop at a restaurant, stop and buy some a few items at some of the businesses on Main Street. But most importantly, uh, talking to Iowans, it helps them. It really help them test their message, uh, you know, see what the reaction is. I think it makes them better candidates uh, because of the interaction with Iowans. And and really, that's kind of a role that we play with First Nation Caucus. It's not really to pick the winner. You know, we do sometimes, but our role, honestly, is to start to narrow the field. So it'll happen on January 15th, and we'll head to, the candidates will head to New Hampshire and then South Carolina. And by then, you know, there's always a surprise. They start to gain some momentum. And uh, and then and ultimately, if you're not in those top tier, uh, the funding starts to dry up and the field starts to narrow. Have any of the candidates uh, gauged your level of interest in maybe joining a ticket? I, I, I love what I'm doing. And it is, so, no, none of them have said, are you asking me if they've asked me? If yeah, I, or, or just, you know, <laughs> no, you know, hey, no. what's your interest in, Governor? You know, you're a governor. No, you know. no, no, okay. no, 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 no. Not at all. No, okay. no, no, no. I, we've got, hey, listen, I've, I've signed uh, three tax cuts already. I'm coming back next year. We're lowering taxes again, okay. and we're going to continue to work on education and regulatory regu- regulations. And so I've got a lot on my plate yet to uh, continue to elevate Iowa. Our profile's rising. I love that. Uh, and we want to keep that momentum going. Let me talk to you about uh, education, because I know uh, another thing that's yes. for, for parents this year at the school year is the student's uh, first education savings account. This is essentially uh, money that the state is providing to families that qualify, which I th- is sort of the lower middle, middle income, lower income families, right, to maybe defer the cost of private tuition. So, so what it is is that it's the Students First Act, it's um, ESAs, and so actually, you know, it's universal school choice. Uh, we passed that in the first two weeks of the legislative session. We actually are leading an educational freedom uh, uh, initiative really across the country. You're seeing more and more states that are adopting this. So any child that's going in, anybody that's in public school right now, our, our kindergartners, uh, kids that are starting kindergarten, they qualify for the per pupil funding, which is about $7,600. And then because we had kids that were already in private school, that's where we do the income base. So if they're at, if the family is at 300% of federal poverty level or below, then they would qualify for an ESA this year. Next year, that bumps to 400% of FPL of federal poverty level. And that's only for the kids that are in private school currently. And then the next year, it's open for everybody. So, you know, we had a, a ton of interest. Uh, I kind of exceeded our expectations. We kind of based them on about 14,000 based on what we've seen from other states. Students that would, you know, consider taking advantage of it. We've had about 18,500 that have qualified. Now they all probably won't be able to get a, a spot because we're limited somewhat by capacity. But, you know, that will change moving forward. But at the same time, not only did we believe that parents should have the choice, and after going through COVID, I I really doubled down on this because prior to the ESA bill, only parents that had the resources had the choices of sending their children to an educational system where they thought that their child could thrive and be the best that they could be. If you didn't have the money to do it, you were stuck. And during COVID, when I opened schools back up, I actually had Des Moines Public School 
uh, SUMI to keep the kids out of school. That's one of our, that is our largest school district in the state. And uh, fortunately for the parents that had money, they were able to get their kids to another school so their kids could continue to get an education and most importantly play sports, where again, the kids that needed it most didn't have the funds and they were the ones that were kept out of school. So I uh, believe it's the right thing to do. And, and, and at the same time, we actually provided long overdue flexibility for public schools, including increasing teacher salaries. But doesn't Sorry, this, I'm passionate about this. So, so no, I understand. Going and it's hard to shut me down. I understand. <laughs> uh, a couple of follow-ups, so just so I understand it better. Does yes. this then pull money out yeah. of what otherwise would go to public school no. systems? No. No. I put new money in because our fiscal health is strong. We're actually investing in priorities like education and broadband and child care and housing and still cutting taxes at the same time, and we still have a significant surplus. So we put more money into the system. And actually, if you are a public school, I'm only taking the state dollars. It's only the state dollars that are following the child. The federal and local dollars stay with the public school, and they don't have the child to teach. On top of that, if you, uh, for the children that were in a private school, uh, even though they were never in the public school system, that because of the way the funding runs, and we call them categoricals, those public schools retain about $1,200 for each student that's in the public private school, excuse me, that was in the private school that they've never taught. So they're actually getting additional funds for kids that they never even had in their system. So it's not true when you hear the other side say we're going to kill public schools and we're taking money away from them. That is absolutely not the case. It will make us all better. It will elevate education overall. I have a daughter who is a public school teacher. I raised my children in a public school. My grandchildren are going to a public school, and that's where the majority of the kids will go. But they are being taught things in schools that parents do not want their children to be exposed to. We passed laws stopping that, but ultimately, sometimes there's ways around that, but ultimately school choice is what will Give the parent the child to decide where their child will get the education that's important to them and their child. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Does this program provide enough for any family to choose a non-public school? In other words, if you qualify, and I know, again, you talked about sort of these these income caps, right? If you're below that income cap, maybe even on the lower end of that income cap, uh, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Some of these schools are still very expensive for, especially if they're a family with multiple children. Do they still have that option yeah. that, that other families have, even yeah, with because, this? Yeah, because there's other. Yes, they do because there's other funding available too. So we also have a student tuition organization. It's a credit that family that school family. We you can you know provide a funding for the STO and write it off as a tax credit, and then the schools can help reduce the cost. So there is a tax credit program that helps with some of the costs. And then almost all of them have a foundation where they raise money into it too. And you're allowed to stack the funding. So um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll monitor it, but yeah, it's better than nothing. It certainly does open opportunities. And a lot of the kids that we're using, 
the ones especially that were at 300% of federal poverty and below, uh, they'll be able to take advantage of the S- the um, ESA, and then that will open up some of the funding that they were receiving for, for other kids. So that'll go further. So we think that that'll be okay. And you, you expect this to continue to, to grow over the next three, four years? Yes. I think, you know, we've done our, we've really, you know, we've been a champion of our public schools. We've been a champion of home schools. Two years ago, while I was trying to get the, the savings account passed, uh, we really expanded uh, our opportunity to do charter schools, which, again, is through the public school system. It just provides more flexibility. And now the last component was the ESA. So uh, we have a, just a, a continuum of great educational options for, for our parents, and I think you're going to continue to see all of them excel. I'm coming back next year, too, with a significant um, educational package that I think I'm very excited about. I can't break news right here. We're still working on it. But um, that's going to go, I think, a long ways to really even even help work with our public schools and help them um, uh, be elevated as well. We want to continue to be a partner with the public schools. So I'm excited about uh, kind of some of the um, legislative proposals that we're working on for next year for public education. Governor Reynolds, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the next few months uh, living in the center of the political universe. And we'll continue our conversations as we get closer to the caucuses. Appreciate the time, Governor. Yeah, check back in with me and we'll give you an update as we get closer. I'd love that. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, it's Will Kane, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend. Join me as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics, from sports and pop culture to politics and business. The Will Kane Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.